0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of TheCinematropolis.com. You are home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we are changing things up. I know we're called The Cinematic Schematic, but there's this really good supplemental reading that I discovered online. So instead of doing a traditional movie review, uh, I read the, it's an incredible book that we're going to read aloud on the air. Let me just make sure you, you can write it down. It's called Necrocomicon Exmortis. Mortis all hail the king, baby. We're going to summon the demons. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're doing a double feature review this week of Renfield and Evil Dead Rise. We're going to start with an icebreaker question before jumping into a spoiler-free review and verdict on Renfield. We'll then do a spoiler-free review and verdict on Evil Dead Rise, and then we'll close out the conversation by picking which movie you should see, period, or perhaps... Which movie you should see first, depending on who you're asking. Joining me today, I am super excited, as always, to be rejoined by
1: Lorraine Chapman, an award-winning
0: Oklahoma filmmaker, perhaps a deadite, I'm not sure. Lorraine Chapman,
1: welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's been a blood-soaked week, and I'm not even talking about these films. <laughs> so <No>. much blood. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: well, Lorraine, I'm,
0: I'm glad that you're here to read the, the uh, Necronomicon out loud. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the, it's the yeah. voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, very excited to be rejoined by a pair of very special guests. First up, the Dead Center features programmer, also professor at OU in film studies, and also an Oklahoma filmmaker and film consultant, Sunrise Tipikani. Sunrise, welcome back.
2: Thanks. It's great to be here. Uh, it's always a fun time here, and it's a nice break from like watching Dead Center stuff.
0: <laughs> I hope, right? And uh, you actually caught Evil Dead Rise world premiere,
2: right? I did, yeah, at South by Southwest. Yeah, that was a great time. It's one of the greatest audiences this
0: year. How oh, good? Yeah. The Uh magic of a good horror at South by Southwest is pretty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Also, very excited to be rejoined by she's a contributor at the Cinematropolis, also an editor over at Static Media, which is uh, the org that uh, owns slashfilm.com. Joe Light. Joe, welcome back.
3: Thanks so much for having me. Although I did not know that we were going to be reading the book, I don't know if I would have come. I
0: printed it out. You you need, hold on. I I don't
3: know. I'm kind of worried about that.
0: I can, you don't have to (laughs) read it. We just need just a few drops of. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> We can also, you know, I found a recording of it, too, online. I don't
3: know if I'm okay with that either. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I might have to step out when y'all do that.
0: <laughs> All the listeners have already stopped listening because mm. they're just in fear that we're going to summon demons. Uh, yes. Uh, listeners, well, if you want to rate and review the demons that we're going to talk about on this podcast, please make sure to head over to your preferred podcast app and leave us that rating and review. Uh, most specifically, this will go a long way if you could help us out by doing that on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us get discovered by more listeners. Just like you. Now, with that said, I also want to acknowledge that there was a... Uh, Bo's is Afraid is another film that opened wider, not totally wide, but wider here in the U.S. this last weekend. And we actually are going to be doing a fully in-depth, spoiler-filled discussion on this in our next episode. However, given that I was uh, invited to a press screening, and I know a couple of us have caught it, who are not going to be on the show next week, I just wanted to really quickly... Kind of general thumbs up, thumbs down on Bo is Afraid. What did we think? So we can maybe whet the appetite for listeners who are curious and hopefully they will go see it or not and then come back and listen to us talk about it next week. Joe, I'll I'll start with you. What did you think of Bo is Afraid?
3: I mean, I'll give it a thumbs up. I think if you like movies and you're okay with them being really weird, then you'll like it.
0: I like that. You like movies being weird. Bo is Afraid fits the bill. Yeah. Sunrise, you you also caught the film? I did. I caught the film. I got the whole film. All three
2: hours of it? All three hours of it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Especially if you like stuff that's weird, if it's going to challenge you and you're interested in like A24 and the more like heavy art side, you know, I think it's a really good time to support somebody's unique vision. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest everybody just see it if you're interested in something other than franchise. Yes. Um, It will challenge you. And, you know, I think walking out is perfectly valid. Uh, <laughs> response to the film. Um, but I think it's a
0: great uh, expression of somebody on a large canvas with a lot of money, which we rarely get today. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it is an auteur feature that feels like it can only be crafted by someone with such a very distinct vision with the budget, as you say. Yeah, I'm going to also say thumbs up. Way more thoughts next week. But, you know, I don't think I've seen anything like it. I mean, I can, there's just some like tangential comparisons I can make, but I definitely think it does a lot of things in a really unique manner, specifically in the, the way it captures anxiety. That's all I'll say. But it, it does that in a way that I don't feel like I've ever seen it done in that way. So much so that I felt very anxious coming out of the film, which I think is by design, yeah. which speaks to how effective it is as like sort of like provocative work of cinematic art. Yeah. So with that said, if you support those things, <laughs> highly recommend, and hopefully it's still playing in an IMAX near you. And I gotta say... It looks pretty great. and Sounds pretty great on the iMac screen. So, mm-hmm. consider that. Go check it out. Um, and Laron and I will be back with a couple of other guests next week, talking uh, more in depth. Leron, you're actually going to catch this immediately after our recording. Yes,
1: today. and I'm very anxious to see it. I'm excited to see it. I'm. Um, I think all of. I, I'm really a fan of Ari Aster. I think his films, all of them, are there's something imperfect about all of them, but they, they're imperfect in really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something sensory about both of his films where they he really put you in the headspace of the characters. Midsommar did that really well, dealing with everything that Florence Pugh is dealing with, but not just as witnessing it, but as also feeling like I left it feeling like I was on a high as well. You know, like I had been hallucinating for two hour, two and a half hours. And so if it's anything like either one of those, then I imagine I will I'll be game for it. You, sir...
0: Not going to be disappointed if that's what you're looking for, I will say. With that said, let's move on to our icebreaker question for the week. So we're talking about two films related to very well-known movie stars. One of them is a universally beloved movie star, former belovedly movie star. We're going to talk about that. Another is an icon of horror cinema. Of course, we're talking about Nicolas Cage and Bruce Campbell. They're icons with, at least within their own demographics of cinephile. So I just want to go around the table, and and I don't know if this is an appreciation or more reflection, but what do you guys think about you know Nick Cage and Bruce Campbell? What makes each of them especially memorable? And then, which filmography do you prefer? So there's like three questions in there. Let's just start with, what do you like about Nick Cage and Bruce Campbell? What sets them apart? Leron?
1: Um... I love how it's really weird because I have always been a fan of Nicolas Cage. I don't think I've ever been like obsessively a fan with him, but I've always liked him. But there, it does seem like in the last maybe five to seven years, people have, there's been this resurgence of love for Nick Cage where all of a sudden it's like, hey, Nick, remember Nick Cage? He's a great actor. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> he, he's been making movies for decades. It's like, where have you been? Like, but I think it's like with Mandy and like this kind of, you know, that this weird like, um, you know, it's kind of like a reintroduction to his kookiness. But what I think I love about him in particular, um, and, and Bruce Campbell too, but is how uninhibited he is as an actor and how fearless he is to just take risks and do whatever. You know, he just he commits 110 percent, even if the project itself is dog shit, you know, like he's always doing something interesting as an actor. And I think it's because he's not afraid to be imperfect. He's not afraid to be, he's not being you know precise about anything. He just, he just, yeah, he's unhinged all the time. And so I, I, I love that about him. So, um, and then with Bruce Campbell, my relationship with him is essentially the evil dead series. And I, and I've always been a fan of that. So, um, and I think he, he's, he's really good in that lane. I think Nick Cage obviously has a bigger swath of a, of a filmography and has done many different genres. So I would say I prefer him only because he has a, a bigger breadth of, of, of content to, to mine through, but mm-hmm. I'm a fan of both. Yeah,
0: definitely. I, I wouldn't undersell though. Um, Bruce Campbell has done a considerable amount of work in TV. Okay. Um, I mean, he has kind of his lane in film, but, He had like what was like six seasons of Burn Notice he was Mm -hmm. on um, was the big one. But I was looking at his filmography. I was like, holy cow, this guy is done. Yeah. A lot of TV, probably a lot of voice work in there as well. Mm -hmm. Sunrise, what what do you think? Uh, What do you appreciate most about Nicolas Cage and Bruce Campbell?
2: Uh, Very similar to Laurent, the fact that they're both like uninhibited, Uh, the fact that they're willing to go to extremes for the content and, and what's best for the character, I think. Uh, That's certainly the thing that I think people are starting to really appreciate about Cage. Um, Although I think Cage is able to kind of ground it in some sort of psychological realism, whereas Campbell is just like willing to just do whatever's outrageous.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, And I think it's like Campbell's personality that really sort of shines through over uh, Cage – Um, and that I guess, you know, if you're interested in like acting, I think Cage is like your guy, but if you're interested in just sort of like what somebody's going to do that you can't anticipate, I think they're both valid, but Campbell certainly has something that like of his own persona that rises up. And that also happens on stage or like in live presence, like he's coming. And I'm sure that's like the reason people want to see what's going to happen. Like you don't know. And he's going to go wherever he's going to go. And I think that's really interesting um, uh, ingredient to any sort of like film. Um, But like Laurent, I I would – I'm definitely of the cage filmography um, just because it's so varied but also – There's so many different kind of genres of even him, uh, yeah. Of even different genres
1: of cage performances Mm -hmm. for sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it
2: it, as his cultism rises, I think people tend to forget that he was like, you know, really Oscar considered actor, winning Mm and best actor, right? In leaving
1: Las Vegas, is that what? No, wait. Was um, it raising? Was it was it raising Arizona? Raising Arizona. Also, he's nominated. I think yeah. right? uh, he won for. I think he won for leaving Las Vegas. Okay. The one okay. with Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, okay. yep. and even like Pig recently, he did yeah, that. Pig. That was a surprise. It was like, see, Pig is
3: great. You're yeah.
1: expecting him to go, and that, but it's actually a very understated mm-hmm. performance. So he has he has a lot of range, um, and so he's a very interesting performer for sure.
0: He was on um, Stephen Colbert. Uh, last week, I think, and it, I I didn't watch the episode, but it went, the clip of him went viral. Basically, Colbert asked him what were his favorite Nick Cage performances, in the like. No hesitation, his first one was Pig. Yeah, yeah, he, he said and, that was his favorite. And I
1: think I told you on a previous podcast that I watched. Um, uh, what is it? The massive talent of whatever the terrible mm-hmm. um, weight um, of unbearable um, weight talent. of massive talent. So it was really awesome seeing Nicolas Cage play Nicolas Cage, watching himself play Nicolas Cage, play Nicolas Cage. So and there's so it was many like the, layers. like
0: Nicolas of, Cage, the character in the movie versus the, the persona of Nicolas Cage. They mm-hmm. have the whole argument inside right. his head.
1: But uh, watching him watch himself watch himself. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, yeah, just yeah. Right. like, what? It's like, so my head was kind of exploding in that way. And he loves that energy. He loves the... Um, like, the the crowd and the, you know, like, he's part of that. Like, he's like, this is the fun part. This is what I like to do. Being with people who actually care about the work. You know what I mean? It's like, he's like, all of the artifice. He's like, I just like being around people who are passionate about film and the medium itself. And and so that's, he's a, yeah, he's a fanboy through and through. so yeah.
2: I, I think a good double feature would be that. And then My Name is Bruce is what it's called? Or they yeah. called mm, me? yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Mm, yep. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That would be an incredible double feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah uh joe how about you what do you what is your take on the nick cage and bruce campbell
3: yeah i don't know if there's a more perfect word for nick cage than uninhibited just to sort of piggyback on y'all it's um i just feel like he is so authentic as a person and how he talks about himself again we're just judging based on what we see in the media but he's very honest about like yeah he made a bunch of crappy movies because he had tax problems or whatever happened there where the irs had a, a a lean on him for, like, millions of dollars, and so he's like, yeah, I just got to work, so I'm going to do a bunch of these movies, and it doesn't really matter if they're good or bad. So he's, like, he's a very practical person, I think. Um, I really admire his ability to just, like, choose scenery and be fully committed, I think, as you have both said, just he will go for it, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it's always really fun to watch. You know. Um yeah, so I, I think in terms of filmography, I'm definitely more on on familiar with his side of things. Um, the I mean, there's so many Con Air, um, The Rock, like all off. of those Face
0: Off, yeah. Face
3: Off. Oh my gosh, they're so good. Um, and he's chewing scenery in all those movies too, and it's amazing. So yeah, and with the more recent films, Pig, I loved, Mandy, I loved unbearable weight of ma- massive talent I also love. So yeah, I think it's it's a very well deserved opportunity for him to kind of come back into the public eye and and for people to recognize yes, he is he's an amazing actor and he does really good work. Um even when he's just being a, a kind of a wacky person on the screen. Um with Bruce, I feel like he I, I like him a lot, but I think he also is I think we were having this conversation after Evil Dead actually, when when he's just like sort of doing a bit all the time, yeah. like I don't really know who he is. Mm-hmm. He kind of seems like he's just mm-hmm. always playing that character, which is fine. Um, but I, I don't. I'm I'm not sure like who he is as a person as much as I am with Nick Cage. If right. that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because what I have heard from people who have had. Really good interviews with Bruce Campbell is like when he puts the guard down, he's just like a normal dude. But if any time you encounter him in public, he's got the he's full blown I am Bruce Campbell persona like everywhere he mm. goes. So it's it's I think that's for me that's the big difference is I I think like Bruce Campbell is such a definitive character or at least the Bruce Campbell that is put out there as a character. I don't think we don't yeah I don't think very many of us know the real person, but he is kind of like this bizarre horror icon. He's sort of carved out a lane, and it's a very niche audience, but I think he's, like, within that niche. I mean, people mm-hmm, yeah. love, love this dedication. guy. Yeah. 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 For sure. Huge dedication. Whereas I feel like, to your point, Nicolas Cage has had such a varied career that's incredible. Even bad movies he's in, he, like, really takes it up a notch. Mm. Uh, his performances are never bad, uh, even in bad movies. Um, So, it's like, yeah, he's... I think somewhere he said if you're looking into acting, I think... You look towards Nick Cage. If you're looking for like, yeah, the unpredictability or just I would look even into like how to craft a persona around Mm -hmm. your brand. I really think Bruce Campbell's done an excellent job at it. Um, And I, you know, it's funny. He's going to be in Oklahoma City this next weekend. And I'm excited to go see him because it's like but I'm like he's a movie actor, Mm -hmm. but he's basically going to be doing a comedy bit. I've seen him do con appearances and stuff and like everything is you just feel like you're in his world. The Bruce
1: know. Variety show. Yeah. Whatever that is. Maybe we'll get to know who he is. When know.
0: he's in the room, like the he sucks all the air out of the room <laughs> in a way that I appreciate, but it's it's definitely a different vibe than great actor for sure. Well, sounds like we all are pretty much team Nick Cage overall. But also, I mean Bruce Campbell is, is yeah. an icon yeah. in a, of sorts. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into our first review today. We're gonna start this week with Ringfield. Sorry to interrupt. Are you okay? I need to get out of a toxic relationship.
1: Why don't you start by telling us what brought you here?
3: My boss, he's different. You can't get him out of your head. No. I need your assistance.
0: I'm coming, master! Oh, you feel like he could destroy you with the snap of his fingers. Wouldn't even need to snap. Okay. Uh Uh-huh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, what? Renfield. Bring innocent
2: victims.
0: So according to IMDB, Renfield is described as Renfield, Dracula's henchman and inmate at the lunatic asylum for decades, longs for a life away from the Count, his various demands, and all of the bloodshed that comes with them couple of fun facts I was sort of digging into the production history of this and this originally back in the day was supposed to be a spin-off within the dark universe you guys remember the dark universe oh, the, oh yeah uh, the the, uh, the, the it's uh, it still memes. I love it I love it every time <laughs> someone on film Twitter or Instagram brings up the photo of all of them posing. And none of the movies ever happened. But yeah, so this was a a part of Universal listeners. For uh, those who aren't familiar, they have been for years trying to launch a universal monster movie cinematic universe like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, the whole thing tanked. Uh, Firstly, there was Dracula untold was originally supposed to be the launch pad, but that tanked so bad, they're like, JK, that wasn't the launch. (laughs) And they were going to launch it with – And they actually put a lot of marketing resources into launching it with 2017's The Mummy starring Tom Cruise. And that movie also tanked (laughs) gloriously. So this movie was originally supposed to be a part of that cinematic universe. And when it tanked, Robert Kirkman of Walking Dead and Invincible fame went back to the studio and pitched it more as a comedy, which is how we ended up with this film. Also, kind of weird, I didn't realize this – I thought this was like a joke in the movie, but apparently the direct, director Chris McKay still considers this a, an air quotes quasi-sequel to the 1931 Dracula film starring Bela Lugosi. You can kind of see nods to this in, in Renfield because they, repl- they they take scenes directly from that movie and replace them with Nick Cage. Yeah. Um, it, it just is such a bizarre thing because I – It didn't feel like the
1: movie was an actual sequel. Well, he can consider that if he wants to do that. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So with that said, I thought, let's let's kick things off. Let's talk a little bit about our perspectives on vampires in cinema. And I would say, especially in the context of Renfield, vampires that are probably uh, based on Bela Lugosi's Dracula interpretation. Joe, I'll start with you. Like, what is your perspective? Do you like vampire stories? Yay, nay?
3: Yeah, I mean, I like vampire stories. I... I saw the movie yesterday uh, and found myself thinking, I don't know if this is showing my hand too early, about vampire movies that I would rather be watching at that moment. So I thought about, like, Let Me In. I thought about uh, Ed Wood at one point, even though it's, like, not necessarily a vampire movie. But, um, yeah, so I, I definitely, I mean, I watched all of Twilight. I enjoy all of Twilight. So I, I can get on board with, like, almost any kind of vampire. What We Do in the Shadows is great. Um, and this is just, was not it for me. <laughs>
0: mm, not, not it. Uh, Sunrise, how about you? Are you a vampire <coughs> cinema fan? Um, I guess I am a, a cinema
2: fan. Um, uh, I definitely like the 1931 Dracula. Mm-hmm. I used to think that I liked the other universal horror films more, like the Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. I thought I really liked Or the mummy, but I just like looking at my view history, it's Dracula is the one that I rewatched the most. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really impressive, like the set design and the performance. It's really, they're amazing despite the period. Um, But the vampire genre in general is really interesting to me just because it's, um, especially in the universal canon, it's like this. Supernaturally grounded um, genre, and just to, to clarify it as distinct from like a paranormal genre where like um, supernatural is grounded in some sort of like ritual or belief system. So mm-hmm. I feel like characters are often struggling with belief, mm-hmm. and it becomes kind of like the story of conversion somehow, um, even in Twilight. Yeah. Um, but uh, those things are really interesting to me, how they ground phenomena in some sort of belief system. And that sort of like drives me into some of the vampire films more than those that are, I guess, not um, grounded in that stuff. Um, so that's always really interesting to me. And then just thinking about how they're different from zombies is like souls, yeah, mm-hmm. undead. And like I'm always confused. Like what's the difference between a vampire, a zombie and a ghoul?
1: Right. Um right.
2: Yeah. And, and definitely like the, well, the vampires relate to this supernatural element. There's like somehow like there's a curse or there's like a um a uh um I don't know, a relationship to an entity, a divinity mm-hmm. that separates it, I think, from those others. Mm-hmm. Um but I think somehow, you know, like they're all sort of related to each other. I think sometimes the vampires control zombies, you know, like
0: in yeah. Plan Nine or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vampires tend to have more agency. Then the zombies, for example, mm-hmm. there's some mm-hmm. sort of cognitive mm-hmm. essence they still have, even the ones that are technically slaves to, you know, mm-hmm. their right. master whatnot. not.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think um, in particular with vampires, like I said, they're more intuitive and they have a lot more um, – they have more of an agenda. You know, as you mentioned, a lot of more agency. Zombies kind of, you know, it's just they become ravenous fiends, you know, at some point. But vampires can can communicate. They can manipulate. They can, you know – experience they can uh, i, th- I want to say they can feel maybe maybe you know depending vampires? yeah yeah, depending yeah. On, yeah. <laughs> they get angry they get angry they yeah. get mad you know, like so <laughs> that's a feeling <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> so, um, listen we wouldn't have gotten blade if it wasn't for jealous this, vampires yeah, and okay that's,
1: and see that's really blade is like maybe just because of my formative teen year i don't know like that was that was my my favorite kind of vampire universe you know um i definitely like the bella lugosi originals um and i think that i took actually took a vampire cinema course in college um really enjoyed it um it was just a fun elective course but that he took the professor took it very very seriously and as you should and Mm -hmm. i I mean there is a lot of lore and as uh, sunrise mentioned you know there's a, a lot of conversations again about divinity about um commentary on does this, this this symbiotic relation it has with religious you know um undertones, you know, and um that the two sides of the coin, you know sort of thing, and I think it's an interesting commentary on how we deal with and process with our our value systems and and it's kind of seems to comment mostly on that, you know, more so, and there's, so there's more commentary, it's more rich in that sense, yeah. things to pull from then I think, I feel like zombies is, is more of a, and I love zombie movies and I'm not to take anything away from it. I think that that's more a commentary on our fear of like disease, our fear of, you know, I think it kind of birthed out of even if you look at like the AIDS epidemic or the, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. there's, it, a lot of it plays into that, the fear of contagion, the fear of getting this 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 viral thing that will take over you and you no longer have agency, you know? So, um, but yeah, I, 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 I quite like, vampire films yeah
0: yeah i mean i, I not too much to add what, to what you guys have said about vampire films i i i like i like both vampire and zombie films ghouls is kind of a weird one because sometimes it's like ambiguous if they're even a ghoul or maybe yeah. they're a zombie they call it a ghoul yeah that mm-hmm. that, that line especially gets blurry but... is a
1: ghoul like a is it more like is that like similar like something ghostly or they're kind of like a, or what do we did I mean, you
0: watch the uh, was it the Jarmusch movie from a few years ago with Adam Driver yeah. where he says ghoul
1: a lot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think of he Scooby- just loves you that say word. ghoul and I think Scooby Doo. <laughs> so, so like I'm like the you know, but yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean, the thing about vampires is I I think like like you were saying zombies tend to represent like a nat like almost like a natural occurrence, whereas mm-hmm. vampires I think in you know in my experience seems to there's more implication in like people. You know, the yeah. Book of the damn, like people messing with things they're not supposed to mess with. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a motivation to remain immortal versus zombies, which is just – it's just the, yeah. the inherent
1: programming. So. And, and ritualistic too. There's mm-hmm. things that they do, very specific things that they do, and very specific things that have to be done or undone or – you know. so yeah, there's, there's and a like lot Like you said about there. the lore too. I mean I won't go to the weeds, but there's just – yeah, there's just way
0: more. Like zombies especially we've seen in the last 20 years how the rules around zombies have uh, been – there's firstly there wasn't a ton of rules to begin with and and then the and then from there it's (laughs) got even you know uh, with vampires i feel like yeah there's the twilights and blade Mm -hmm. actually kind of messed with it too but there is like a really uh, rich um lore you can pull from and like hundreds of years worth of readings you can do on it Um, versus zombies that i feel like is a little more recent but renfield though (laughs) a vampire comedy you say sunrise i'll start with you what did you think of the film what did I think? Just in general,
2: um, I th- uh, you know, uh, like Joe, I was thinking about other films uh, and comparing and contrasting. Uh, it seemed like it was really incorporating more popular concepts since um, any other version of or like theatrically presented version of Dracula. Um, particularly like what we do in the shadows, this word of familiar, I feel like has not been as canonical as it has because of that particular film and series. And then it was really driving home that idea. It was like constantly utilized. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then it also seemed hyper paranormal where it was like not related to a belief system. So I was like less interested in um, maybe the, the conflicts that are associated with it. And then uh, the things that I expected also about like, The soul versus flesh uh, are something that's also kind of missing, maybe just because it is Renfield and he's not a vampire yet. Um, But I was thinking about all those things that were not in this. And then it leaves me with what is this? Mm. And I wasn't quite sure how to get on board with like the superheroifying of Uh, Renfield. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, he's got powers and then there are rules (laughs) and then, you know. He's got like this double identity. So like that stuff, I was not quite sure. And it's still sort of remnant of this sort of like universe. Um, But uh, I thought the queering of Renfield and the relationship with uh, Dracula was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like where's the boundary of their sexual identity, which seemed to be driving things on like a Mm -hmm. subconscious level. I thought that was really interesting. Um, And it did make me think about other familiars um, and it made me think about whether or not Bella and Twilight is actually a familiar um, and whether the relationship there is very similar, but perhaps more healthy by <laughs>
0: comparison.
2: Um, but that, you know, again, I was thinking about another film and not right. this one so much. Yeah,
0: And if you're thinking about Twilight, I
2: mean, no
0: offense to Twilight
2: <laughs> Whatever. Movies, it's a just,
3: great film series. <laughs> I, mean, I
0: Just, you know, of all the vampire stories you can think of, it's, you know, just signals that maybe Renfield's not the best one.
2: Um, well, I mean, it's certainly, you know, like that's part of the common like knowledge about vampires. It's like that, what we do in the shadows mm-hmm. more than Dracula. Like I can't imagine the young audiences
0: going to this. It's oh, yeah. really understanding even like that's a real film maybe mm-hmm. or film mm-hmm. footage. Um did it feel like when you were talking about what was missing it, it really made me just think about how this film is it feels like more it's based on what people think of as dracula but not actually any of the lore like it's almost like an SNL sketch like mm-hmm. like a type of dracula you'd see in <laughs> yes. an SNL sketch yeah but then applied to a, a movie and am I am I I'm just throwing that out there is that like cuz cuz I was thinking about that you're right none of those things that what you would think would be in a vampire movie that you're like, ooh, I want to lean in or I want to think about it. None of that's there. It's literally just like yeah. surface level. Yeah, sort of a strange superhero uh against gangsters. Like
3: crime. That, movie? Crime.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um Joe Light, what did you think of Renfield?
3: Uh um the more I think about it, the more frustrated I get, to be honest. And I find those movies the most difficult to watch because I, I think what a lot of us are saying is like there's, there's a lot they could have done. Mm-hmm. And what's frustrating is that potential that they didn't even think about or go yeah. for. And, yeah. and that I can like watch a bad movie and just enjoy it for what it is. But when I see something and there are moments in there, like I, I really liked, are we doing spoilers yet? No no spoilers. Okay. Yep, no. Later then. um There are moments that I really, really liked in the film that I wish that they would have pushed further um and in our discussion just now about like what vampires are like the sexuality of vampires is so unique and i think to sunrise's point like they could have done a lot there so yeah just just to see like moments that oh that's that's interesting why didn't they go that direction or or do more there or play with some of these tropes that's what i found so frustrating about the film and and the way they like muddled it down with like all these other like He's eating bugs and uh and the crime film and like it just feel like movies mushed together. I I would really the other thing that I was thinking about as I was watching is I would love to know what the develop pro development process on this film was. Like was there a draft that was like more straight horror comedy and not as much crime? Like I just wanna know. I felt like a movie that had a lot of like studio exec hands yes, in it. Yes, yes. Like the ADR, like lines that were thrown in, mm. the editing, like, oh, it was just a mess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, it was a mess. It was a mess. Yeah. LeRon Chapman, what you her <laughs> <a> bloody mess. <laughs> um, yeah. Not, not even a bloody mess. Not really. <laughs> that would have be been yeah. great if there were <laughs> a bloody I mess. Know, if was there was a... more, the more blood actually probably would have enhanced this film at least a <laughs> yeah. little bit.
1: I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if, No, it's just um, I I agree with Joe. I feel like it's um, it does feel like heavily produced and heavily over like over edited. There's a lot of there's a lot of conversations that start that kind of cut like before. Like, I think there was more to that scene. I feel like that wasn't the end of that conversation. Mm -hmm. But whatever, let's just move along. It's just like it. So you just don't I just could never get invested you know, long enough, you know, there are little tinges of things I did like about it from like a production standpoint. Um, I do think that Nicholas Cage is doing the best he can with the yeah. material he has. So I don't really think he's at fault. It's probably the best part of it for sure. Yeah. Um, I I just feel like, yeah, this, it, they went for broad comedy and you know, and which it's just, you know, it's tapioca it doesn't you know what i mean it just it's not very satisfying you know so um and i wish they had been had a little bit more specificity in the in the screenplay because if i felt like most of the jokes most of the humor everything is going for the easy gag the low hanging fruit the the most obvious pun that's just like you know that doesn't it just feels lazy you know mm-hmm. to be honest so um so yeah it was it's only 90 minutes, but it's kind of a slog because you just – It does. It felt so long. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm with all of you. This movie is not great. And uh, you know it's funny. Laurent and I, uh, we've started doing these double headers. And I don't want to tilt our hand, tip our hand too much to the second film we're going to talk about. But we always go in thinking, okay, this is going to be a pretty even competition or at least like a competition. Yeah, yeah. Every one of these has been like one of these is really good and the other one's <laughs> yeah not. Um <laughs> yeah. this is the one that's not. And yeah. what I mean is like Studio Meddling um there's none of the interesting tidbits that you lay out um and the things I do like LaRon, you mentioned st- some stuff like I, I would just wish this movie had committed to your point to something Yeah. because I actually thought Ben Schwartz was my favorite performance because I felt like he was the <laughs> he was the only one who's like, this movie is ridiculous and just cranked his <laughs> performance up to a 15. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? And I think Nick Cage did that to a, a lesser degree in his own way. Um, he's also obviously a highlight of the film, but he's not in it as much as you would think no. he would be.
1: And, and you want him, you long for him in the uh-huh. scenes where the other humans are talking.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> so, I really love Nicholas Holt as an actor, and I love him in certain movies, yeah. but just here, he feels so flat. And, and phoned in and almost. Yeah it's, like, it, yeah, it's rough. And Aquafina's and in this movie? <laughs> like, isn't it? It's just weird. Yeah,
2: it's just so tonally strange. Like, the yeah, performances, yeah. is just like big, small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big,
0: small. Mm-hmm. 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 It, and it, yeah, just overall, it kind of created a film that there was, I think, like a third the way through. Um, I was like, we know where this is going. It's not going to be good. There was two set pieces in the movie that did kind of lean into the gore Mm -hmm. a little bit. And that's the other thing. I'm like, well, that actually works. So let's, you know, do that. Make that movie. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, One thing I'll say too is Aquafina is here, as you mentioned. And I like her quite a bit, especially in, in, in dramas, but, What's interesting here or not interesting here is her <laughs> whole storyline, um, the whole plot with her and, and her father. Like it's just, it's weird because th- this is supposed to be, a, I'm assuming, a satire, a parody or at least like, you know, creating some likeness, you know, with the material. But it feels like every scene that she's given with Renfield where she's speaking, you know, to him that it's it's done so earnestly and with no irony that it becomes cringy mm-hmm. because it's like the, she's speaking in platitudes and you can talk in hyperbole with satire, you know, but the writing is so you know, bad that, you know, when she says it, it she's just delivering an earnest scene. And this movie just doesn't earn any moments like that. So anytime she does it, it just slows down. I'm like, oh god, I'm like, stop. Are you really going to give a hero speech right now? I believe in you, Renfield. You're a hero. And I'm just like, no, yeah. it's not that kind of movie. It's not the kind of movie. But
0: also, know. Ben, I guess this is kind of a spoiler. Maybe <laughs> at some point, Ben Schwartz uh, snorts a centipede up his nostril. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also frequently says, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I'm Teddy fucking Lobo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's literally, me and Lauren have been jokingly. Quote, that's like the legacy of the movie for me. It's like his character. And, and Nick Cage, I think, is giving a fun performance. I yeah. just wish there was more yeah. of it. Uh, I mean, so are, like let's talk about Nick Cage a little bit. I mean, this is him playing Dracula. And he recently, in an interview, said, when Universal calls and asks if you want to play Dracula, you don't say no. So do- Unless you read the script. <laughs> It's not oh. good. It's good. Uh, Joe, I mean, do you think this was a, a good, were you satisfied with Nicolas Cage's Dracula? Was it a good turn?
3: I am holding my hands up in frustration. His accent's all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I love him, but uh, the movie just isn't about him. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the problems is just like, he doesn't even need to necessarily be there all the time. Like, I don't know. It just felt like an add-on to me. Just Mm -hmm. because there's all this weird, like, crime, police drama happening, and I don't know. It was just, yeah. I I noticed that he was having fun, I think, but... I wasn't. So I don't know. It's, got, it's just really hard. So, not
0: even Nick Cage can add a half a star to this review. <laughs> <No>. Okay. Sunrise, <laughs> no. so, so did Nick Cage, was he more effective for you? Or, I mean, what do you think? I mean, he was effective.
2: He was the reason, he's the reason to see the movie if you're going to see it. Yeah. Uh, but know that it's so sparse and few scenes in between. But there's a great scene in the middle where I think he's like confronting um, Renfield about where Renfield's decided to take his life. And it's a great scene. And the performance is great and what these wrestling is Dracula with somebody who's like wrestling with anxiety and jealousy and rage. And it's a great performance, but it's just so minimal in the film Mm -hmm. and it doesn't build up to it. And it almost kind of doesn't do anything with it as Mm -hmm. a motivation for resolution. Mm -mm. And um, yeah, I agree with Joe. It's a a, a disappointment that it's not more present. But if you're going to see something – in this film, it's probably that, and maybe just watch it at home
0: and fast forward to those moments, yeah. <laughs> or, you, or even be... better, just YouTube when they no, you, just YouTube it. You know, yeah, there's gonna be a YouTube yeah, super absolutely. cut. Absolutely. Yeah. Laurent, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. last thought on Nick Cage Dracula: is is this a half star? Does it does it raise it up for you in any way? Like uh, I have,
1: uh, I don't have any issues with Nick Cage in this. That he is not. He's far from the problem I have with this with this film um but like as as everyone's already mentioned he's 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 barely in it so i don't know if that's enough to warrant you know nor a visit to the theater for this like this is something this is something you can watch at home and if you don't like it you know watch a better vampire movie <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, i think that says it all
0: uh well let's move on to letter grades Once again, LeBron, it's Cocaine
1: Bear all over again. (laughs) The
0: review is like, well, we talked about, and I'm I'm a
1: little warmer on Cocaine Bear than you are, but I (laughs) But but compare, I can't remember what we pitted against on the last one, and Cocaine Bear was, yes, was the was the weaker. Was well, the between the two. Right. Yeah.
0: Um yeah, yeah, exactly. Not not a fair contest. But it was funny because it's like, well, we talked about it for fifteen minutes and we have nothing else to say no. about it.
1: He does so, coke and then uh,
0: okay. we moved on. <laughs> so letter grades, what letter grade would you give
1: Renfield Joe?
3: I gave it an F, I think, just oh. based on my star rating. Um,
1: so zero stars.
3: Yeah, basically. I think it was – I gave it two stars out of five, which I think is like 40%. That is a fail. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't recommend this, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. I laughed more, and Bo was afraid. So
0: <laughs> that's accurate. and it's
3: not a comedy <laughs> that's <accurate. laughs>
0: idea. That's it's a hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Uh, Sunrise. How about you? I gave it a C minus. It's not a D for me or
2: an F, just because I felt like the performances were interesting. I, even though like they're totally all over the place, I feel like Aquafina is doing something interesting. Um, I feel like Nicholas Holt is doing something interesting, even though it's like he's in the wrong film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked the production design. I felt like when we looked at the Dracula lair or the places that we go, I feel like they, they put some thought into it. And I felt yeah. like there was an interesting expression to it. Um, but um, overall, just did not cohere as a narrative. And um, I would watch maybe another one if um, we focus more on Nicolas Cage. I doubt there's going to be another one. But <laughs> um, I thought his performance as Dracula was interesting. Like if we're interested in Dracula... Yeah, I would say maybe that's the reason to value this movie, but um, maybe it's generous being a C minus because it's like it's passing a little bit, but
3: no, but I, I will agree like the production. I was thinking like, whoa, production designer, you are working overtime. Good job on the light. Like I was just like right. they were lighting the heck out of this movie. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, and the, the two main set pieces, which there's one in the bar and about a third of the way through the film and then there's a big one at the end. I I. I well, you know when people were getting their arms ripped off and dismembered. I thought that stuff was effective mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was it was entertaining to watch, mm-hmm. even if it, as you say, didn't cohere into a narrative uh, in any meaningful way. But there's stuff there, yeah, to appreciate. So C minus is fair,
1: LaRon Chapman. I I also went with a C minus on this. Um, I, I don't hate it. I'm just I just I have no desire to see it again. Mm-hmm. And um. I think I think when I I was actually pretty excited for this film, you know, going into it, I don't know if I had high expectations for it, but I did expect it to be a lot more savvy and witty than it is. And for me, this felt just very generic, you know, Um, very run of the mill with a handful of people who cared enough to give their performances something, something of merit, you know, so C minus for me. And I, I I still feel like that's generous, but it's it's I didn't hate it, but I just it just smacked down at the middle of mediocrity for me.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go with the D for the the D not being an F because I think there's individually several elements I like, but the fact that this was like a ninety some odd minute movie, and I was with you, I was st- th- like. Almost the whole time thinking about other movies or thinking about, I can't wait until this is over so I can go do something else. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's just never a good – and then occasionally I was distracted by fun yeah. moments. It, that that really is it. I There's so much potential. There was also the whole idea. I wouldn't even talk about it. Like the like he's going um, going to uh, – Renfield's going to this like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous sort of thing for toxic relationships uh, – there was potential with that idea that they just let flat let, out like it's that was in it. the
1: trailer. It's yeah. so funny. I was waiting for that moment when it plays in the movie, it's, it's, the, tra- it's it's the trailer even- was so much better. Yeah yeah, 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 exactly.
2: Even even the Postmates joke was better in the trailer. Yeah. and it was like a different line in the mm-hmm, movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, I felt like that was a highlight, and it wasn't a good highlight of the trailer. But <laughs> right, Yeah. what happened? Yeah, that's what a, happened?
0: This yeah. is one of those where the tra- I think the trailer actually does a really good job telling you exactly what kind of movie this is. <laughs> You're, you know, because sometimes you see movie trailers, that are just okay, but the movie is great. That happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, just given the talent on board and Nick Cage, I was thinking we would get yeah. more of the upside. But nope, yeah. nope. Yep. So D for me, uh, D for some passable elements, but an otherwise insignificant film. What would we recommend instead? Cause clearly we anything don't like else. this
1: movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anything else. So anything else. An Activia commercial. Uh, uh, Activia commercial. Oh no. Okay. Uh, Sunrise, kick us off here. What would you recommend?
2: Well, I would say what we do in the shadows is probably what this film wants to be. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So either the show or the film. Um, If you're liking Nicolas Cage, you should probably look at Nicolas Cage as a vampire and Vampire's Kiss. Yes. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Like that's fun and and enjoyable. Otherwise, if you just want Nicolas Cage going crazy, I would suggest Mandy with like the similar color and like the tone and Mm. the outrageousness. And it's just a better time really for kind of like the genre maybe.
0: Absolutely. I think those are spot on recommendations. Joe Light.
3: Those were mine. So I'm just going to second both of those. I love Vampires, Kiss and Flicks House actually played yeah. a clip from that, I had it, which was, I think, yeah. a bad move because then I just wanted to watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> they
0: definitely did that. Um, and Lauren, my fiance, now says we should just go watch that. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't seen it's it. So good. So. Ron Chapman, any other recommendations you'll throw out there?
1: Uh yeah, I also said uh, what we do in the shadows either iteration of it. Um but one that I might be reaching a little bit here. Um, and I don't think this movie ever strived to be this was uh, Paul Morrissey's Blood for Dracula. Um when I did Vampire Cinema, that was one of my favorite um of the it's campy, but there's still artistry to it, you know, like everything is done very on on the artistic side of things it's still there you can um but it's also has that dark undertone um and it finds a delicate balance between being an art house film and also being a film that's kind of commentarying and being comedic about the tropes that involved with it um so that would be um a more highbrow um recommendation if think, you like vampire films
0: i think there's a wealth of vampire films that's a great recommendation um I'm going to go a totally different direction. You guys have already said it. I had both Mandy and What We Do in the Shadows uh, on my list. I'm going to throw out, if you want, if you guys, if you just want a mediocre vampire movie starring someone you really like, Day Shift is now streaming on Netflix starring oh, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. And I had fun with that. It's not great, but, you know, it's at, on Netflix. You can watch it at home. Your expectations are modest. It's a yep. better time than Redfield. <laughs> um, I also, uh, Random... But also, another vampire movie that I just feel like is generally under underappreciated that had a really cool concept. I don't know if the movie was great, but the concept and the cast was great. Daybreakers from like, what was it, 20, 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. Not perfect. Ethan Hawk. Yeah, Ethan yeah. Hawk. Yeah. The yeah. whole, the vampires have basically taken over the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of interesting ideas that, that no one else has ever done anything with that uh, in that setting, at least. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The, That's I, sort I, of like sci fi yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like a. <laughs> In a a good way. Yeah, right. It it feels like one of those made-for-TV sci-fi movies, as in the concept is that high. It's like, oh, vampires have taken over the world. They've succeeded. The humans are literally farmed out, uh, except they actually had a budget and real movie stars. Mm -hmm. Ethan Hawke, Mm -hmm. Willem Dafoe. um, there's There's a lot of other folks in that movie, but cool movie no one's seen. It's got vampires. I don't even know where it's streaming, but Daybreakers. Maybe check it out if you're curious for vampires. All right, well let's move on to the second film we'll be reviewing this week, Evil Dead Rise.
1: What's up, sis? I
3: had a most beautiful dream. It was the perfect day. And all I could think about was how much I wanted to cut you all open and then climb
1: inside your bodies so that we could stay one happy family.
3: (laughs) When I was just a little girl,
1: I asked my mother... What is this, Danny? I found it. What will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I
0: Here's what
2: she said to me.
0: So according to IMDB, Evil Dead Rise is described as A twisted tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. So Evil Dead Rise is the fifth movie in the Evil Dead franchise, the second film without the Bruce Campbell in the lead, and the first film that's been released since 2013's Evil Dead – which is a remake slash sequel requel. I don't know. It's kind of confusing. Uh, in 2013, the, um, i Alvarez movie, uh, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi. Um, so, you know, they, they did sort of pioneer e- the evil dead, Sam Raimi being the director, uh, Bruce Campbell being the star. They both return as executive producers on this project. And, um, I'm not going to spoil where for listeners, uh, because I certainly didn't catch it, but I did discover reading up after the film, Bruce Campbell does, in fact, have a really small, subtle cameo. Uh, This also has the distinction of being the first Evil Dead movie not set in a cabin in the woods, removing Army of Darkness, which is kind of, it's in the franchise, but it's doing its own thing. Uh, And I didn't realize this. uh, Also, this was originally supposed to be released on uh, HBO Max, Back when AT&T took over, this was slotted to be one of their direct-to-the-streaming service movies, uh, and then once the uh, Warner Brothers Discovery merger was completed, they opted for a traditional theatrical release, and I just read the report this morning, the movie's tracking to come in at $23 million for opening weekend against a budget of anywhere from 15 to $17 million, so good call. Good call, Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, Evil Dead is a franchise we have not talked about on this podcast, really. So, Laurent, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I mean, what is your relationship with the Evil Dead franchise?
1: I love it. Um, I've seen th- – I've gone through this series uh, multiple times. Um, and I, I think Evil Dead 2 is probably my favorite, um, the one that I revisit the most. Um, but, yeah, I have a really good relationship with this. Um, I probably saw it way too young. But, I mean, I guess I – Turned, or just, or just the right okay. age, maybe. or just the right age. I mean, I turned out okay. I mean, yeah, I'm yes. here. <laughs> like, but um, no, I, I I I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I think it's one of the. I'm um, Scream is my first love always when it comes to horror films, just because that was probably the first one I saw. You know, at a young age. Um, but in terms of consistency, you know, and with with um, horror horror franchises, I think Evil Dead and Scream are probably pretty close, neck and neck in terms of. Consistently banging out quality content where um, that we didn't go off on 45 different, ty- you know, um, tangents like with Halloween or um, or, or um, uh, Friday the 13th where we go to space, we go to hell, we go <laughs> to, you know, like it, it, it's staying pretty contained and, and overall of quality uh, with the ent- entry.
0: Mm-hmm. What did you think of the 2013 Fede Alvarez film?
1: I said all that to say that I did. I was actually not a fan of the 2013 entry, but I really do want to revisit it because after having multiple conversations with people, they're like, if you go back and watch it now without the expectations you had going in, um, you might have a different perspective. What I did like about it was the um I did love the production value. I loved I loved the dark, bleak, like it, it immediately got me from a visual aesthetic standpoint. Um but what I what I always loved most about the Evil Dead franchise was always that that insidious dark humor like it's it's comedic but it's also disturbing um and i just felt like the 2013 um iteration and probably by design was just humorless for me and that's that's the fun aspect i like i like to have the blood and carnage with the dark joke and i just felt like they went straight for super serious you know like the dark knight chris nolan like we're taking all of the flamboyance out of the franchise and going straight for like a You know, um, Michael Mann Heat sort of vibe. It feels that way to me. Like that's what, that's the interpretation. They took the material and sucked out all the humor. And that for me was a bug at the time. It may not be upon revisit, but I have only seen it the one time in theaters in 2013. So.
0: I feel like that was still at the very tail end of it, but it was sort of at the tail end of the like the hostile, saw mm. torture porn era of horror, yeah. uh, Where it's like, how grisly can we yeah. make it? Yeah. yeah.
1: Lead performance really good. I did like her quite yeah. a bit, the actress that played the main.
0: Really cool. Well, don't spoil it. I won't spoil it. But the third act, that I, I was a big fan of the third act of the, the mm. movie mm-hmm. as well. They do some interesting stuff. Sunrise. How about you? What is your relationship to the Evil Dead franchise? Yeah, it's almost the opposite of Lauren. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I came to it late. Well,
2: semi late for compared to like most people that I encounter that are fans. I viewed the second one first in college, and uh, and then I subsequently went backwards to the first one and then watched um, Army. Um, and when I watched it, I, I had to be convinced that I should watch it again. Um, I understood like so. This is like when I'm a film student in college. And uh, the kind of film student that I was was somebody who was like trying to figure out how to make, I don't know, story and um, symbolism work in film. And so when I watched it, I was I felt like these things were kind of missing in this movie, and it wasn't really hitting me. And so I didn't appreciate, like, I guess, like the the things that uh, Laurent's talking about with the humor. I felt like it was a little bit of distraction from like the things that I was hoping the film would be about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say I hated it, but it just felt like it was something that I had to like figure out how to really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I have since, you know, definitely come to appreciate them. I don't know if I love them. I don't know if I'm an evil dead fan of like those that say that they're a fan because of like Bruce Campbell, because of like the balancing of humor and the violence. Um, I definitely appreciate the lore um, that was the thing that like really took me through all the films, and I was like, "What are yeah. what's going to happen in relation to this, and mm-hmm. how is it going to expand?" And um, I think that's the thing that really is the most impressive thing to me. Uh, beyond like in the first, I guess the first two, what is impressive is just like the how do these young people with very minimal means achieve something that's like quite high in concept. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that first so movie was, was made on like no, money, yeah, string yeah. No money. yeah, absolutely nothing, and that is impressive. Um, uh, so just just going into, I guess, coming out of them when I viewed them in college, I wanted more story, yeah, and I wanted more maybe psychological grounding, mm. uh, particularly like why is this happening to these people, right? Yeah. But that's just the stuff that I was like interested in film school, yeah. Um, now because of that, I really like. 2013?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair. It does all yeah. of that. Yeah, it
2: does all of those things. And I was like, oh, this is made for me. This is like convincing me. And it did convince me to go back. True. And I appreciated the other ones more because of that particular film. But like Laurent's saying, it is definitely humorless. Yeah. And it, 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 you're making a good point that it like comes to this period where it's like this, like, unflinching violence was like kind of the thing in horror in America. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that has some influence from Europe a little bit in that time period. But um, it it did this pendulum swing that I mentioned to Lauren the other day that like I think Army of Darkness went to the direction of like super silliness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and less of kind of like the horror or the violence. And then I think the, they swung the other way where they're like, Okay, let's try it with just like just the
1: violence. The straightforward. Straightforward, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: But yeah, Jane Levy's really amazing, the third act is really awesome. Um, and I think that's probably my, my go-to out of all of
1: them. 2013. You 2013. convinced me I need to go watch it again. Uh, my big
0: yeah. regret was I, I was trying really hard to carve out some time to watch 2013 before I Rise this and, and, and didn't make it. I still want to do it though. I'm hoping yeah. I can get it in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Joe Light, what is your relationship with Evil Dead?
3: I think I'm similar to Sunrise because I was not. In my household, we were not allowed to watch horror movies, and I think that's made me into the horror fan I am today just because, like, I came to a lot of them really, really late, and Evil Dead 2 was the worst, first one I saw at a friend's house. Like, he's obsessed with it, so i that's how I came into it. In, like, a group setting, we watched it together, and that was my intro. Um, and I love that movie. I love that it's ridiculous. I love the... I love the blood. I love the gore. I love Bruce Campbell in it. Uh, yeah, so I think I, I can definitely see coming to it later why a lot of people like it and, and coming out of like that period of film, why it has had the longevity it has. The other thing I'll say, and I pulled it up on my phone, is like as a child, that poster with the evil dead two with the skull and the eyes was such a – Mm -hmm. fixture even though I never got to see the movie that and like the Silence of the Lambs Mm. um, iconography I would see like on end caps at supermarkets so I had to come to it very very late and so it was sort of always this like ooh what's going on there Um, forbidden fruit sort of thing so yeah I think that's part of why I I enjoyed that movie so much and then I've gone back and I've watched uh, the other ones but Evil Dead 2 was my first intro to the world um, in terms of the 2013, I think I'm like Laurent like, I don't think I liked it as much just because I was such a fan of the original tone, but I do want to come back to it. I really like Fede Alvarez as, as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. He's kind of yeah. had a hard time recently. I did not like Texas Chainsaw <laughs> at all. Um, but I do really like what he does within horror, so I
1: don't, I'm interested. Don't breathe is a uh, oh yeah down.
3: so good um, the first one yes yeah. the first
1: one <laughs> yes correct <laughs> yeah the first one. Uh, did he even direct the second one I don't think he did I no. don't he okay. wrote it didn't he Protege I, I think, think yeah, yeah I okay. think he's a producer perhaps okay. yeah I'm not sure then that makes sense okay.
3: um but yeah so uh, hopefully he can continue and, and make another really great horror film but um yeah I'll probably go back to it uh I am I've never been super into that sort of torture porn Mm -hmm. genre as much just because i think it was to y'all's point just it was so much in that period and we've sort of come out of it i think out of that grisly like super saturated super gritty period of like really violent hyper violent yeah. film so I, i'm i was never like super fan of that i like saw but i feel like that's its own thing right anyway so it is
0: its own unique thing yeah it is we're gonna um, do a retrospective later this year tips. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> oh, oh, wow, wow. wow. <laughs> let's, let's dive buttons. into it for punishment
3: yeah Ooh, that's fun um so yeah um i i really like i i like it when the violence is more toward the camp more toward like yeah, cover them in blood, and it's more like just s- s- funny than, than I, actual. I lore. think with
1: violence in particular, like I'm a horror fan through and through, but I don't like senseless violence for the sake of senseless violence. Yeah. If it's in the sake of humor, or like if there's a you know if there's an, there's something there, or but when you do it in a realistic tone, like Hostel or mm-hmm. or even Saw to a certain extent, um, there's. If I'm watching people body i think to the latter end of Saul, I like the first couple mm-hmm. because there was there was some psychological grounding there was a moral uh you know struggle between the characters like they'd done something bad, you mm-hmm. know and and here's uh their 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 you know they their penance they have to do something um sacrifice something that's interesting to me on a mm-hmm. psychological level, but to watch someone be run through the ringer. And it's, there's just no hope. They're hopeless and there's no... It feels... That
0: 2013 is, does, in fact, yes. feel like a hopeless... That is hard for me.
1: I, that's yeah. a hard watch for me. So, And I feel yeah. like
3: a lot of... I think a lot of that period of film, too, is is focused very... Exclu- with it being like a final girl, it's usually like a lot of sexual violence, mm-hmm, too, against mm-hmm, women that mm-hmm. I never really... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's, and that's in the... the yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's
3: some of that in the movie, yeah. for yeah. sure. But yeah. at the same time, like my favorite... One of my favorite, like... Subgenres of imagery within horror is just like cover that female protagonist from head to toe in, in blood. blood, in blood, and yeah, I love yeah. that. it. Does do that? Yeah. Yes, it
0: does do
1: that. If it gives us that catharsis, because if you get the character goes through it, and yeah, they can go through horrific things that are they're not supposed to be enjoyed. We're not supposed to enjoy someone being raped or tortured. Mm-mm. But Mm-mm. if we get to see that character return and and take all that back, and, and you know, and it turns, you know, where this the pendulum of power, the power struggle yeah. structure changes. That's always satisfying as yeah. a viewer, especially in the horror genre. Like that's what the final girl is. You know, she's been through hell and then she comes back and the bad the baddies get the, you know. You yeah. Know, so yeah,
2: unless it's in a Sam Raimi film. See, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Sure. And it's hell comes Ramey. to her. And there's yeah, exactly. nothing we can do. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So funny enough, I think the only time we've talked about we've talked about Army of Darkness on this podcast via a Tower Theater screening several years ago. This poster hanging on the wall, directed or mm-hmm. uh, uh, designed by Zachary Burns, friend of the show, and I I saw that one first. So also uh, grew up in a somewhat sheltered household. i love all the movies i was told i can't watch um (laughs) and so army of darkness evil dead my exposure to those was on television so i really i saw army of darkness in high school on tv and loved it Mm -hmm. the tv cut which is obviously not the same as the real Mm -hmm. movie and i didn't actually see evil dead 2 until i got to college and i was like yeah army of darkness is great and they're like did you see evil dead 2 and i was like well, yeah, I guess there's another one before that, and they're like, "Yeah, but it's not the same movie." And I was like, well, "What do you, mean? you know?" Because the Army of yeah. Darkness is a very dark fantasy. It's its own thing. Uh, yeah. like, it's Like yeah. Terminator
2: and Terminator Two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so I, in college, I watched Evil Dead Two, and uh, I, I think I, I really enjoyed it. It's it's one of those though where I I, I think kind of like a weird comparison, but like. The first time I watched Evil Dead 2, I enjoyed it, but it was kind of like watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail the first time where I was like, I mean, yeah, it was funny. It was good, but I didn't get it. Yeah, It was only through kind of reading up on it and listening to, to people talk about what they liked about it and then re-watching it with various groups of people where I really started to appreciate the... the 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 way the pendulum swings from like the the over the top gore uh, yeah. to the silliness and oftentimes both at the same time because uh, the first time you see it you're like what it what is going on it's not it's not, a, it's it's not <laughs> am I, I how am I supposed to feel
1: you yeah know? if it's, you come to it late it's not immediately palatable that's right. for sure if you watched it when it came out then there's also that nostalgic aspect of it too mm-hmm. but like if you come like if you watched it for the first time today. It it would take a minute to under, un, unwind all of the stuff that's that's kind of being well, meshed it, together. And I bit. watched
0: it before I was really trying to un, like really wrap my head and study film and film criticism. And I think at in a, in a higher level than I was in yeah. high school, for example. So it really took a lot of me trying to get on the wavelength of the movie. Hmm. Now, that said, I love Evil Dead, too. It, I think it's a really fun time. I I've really leaned into the horror comedies in general. I just really appreciate what they're doing. So I really like Evil Dead Two quite a lot. I love Bruce Campbell. I think his performance is just awesome. So many quotables from that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, the scene with the hand is just <laughs> really great. And I also love it now. It's it's like a it's like a meme. But like you know, no, I don't. The, I wonder if kids understood wh- why all the adults were laughing in Doctor Strange when he was Bruce Campbell was just punching himself. You know, it's a nice <laughs> little nod. Um, so I love all that about it. And then I watched the first film after the second film. And I was like, yep, there's a reason I watched the second film. And again, it's one of those where I appreciate what it did because it was made for virtually no money. It was a passion project by Sam Raimi. And we wouldn't have gotten these other films had he not done that one. But I also feel like that's the one that definitely feels like you you go to this for historical reasons. For, um, reasons, yeah, I not it. because I it. it's like I,
1: it. I enjoy. Now I don't want to knock if people enjoy it; that's great. Two it's, is definitely an elevated version of one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and the thing. So, Two does
0: basically one plus more.
1: Yeah, one gets, with more of a budget, with yeah. more of a like, okay, we're investing in it a little bit more, and more of an so,
0: identity too. Yeah, it, it, like it knew exactly what it wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's a long way of saying uh, the Evil Dead. I I feel like the Evil, unless you grew up with it, I do actually think that you know sometimes you you put this uh, out there too. I, I do think it's an acquired. Taste. yeah I, I think you actually have to if you don't come to it early you kind of have to really wrap yeah. your head around what is it that people would like about these things
2: yeah. yeah and one thing that keeps coming up is that like uh watching with other people or mm-hmm. like taking other people's opinion into fact i think helps reinforce the strength of the film i definitely think you have to watch this with other people yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah and it's i think at the time you would consider it experimental horror you know what's now it's been so influential that this kind of tonality is imprinted on a lot of different different franchises, but I think at the time mm-hmm. it probably felt very—I don't want to say avant-garde, but you know—I mean, it felt very like you know, not your traditional horror film. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, definitely. I mean? They were definitely trying playing with tones, mm-hmm. playing with you know, and so. They hadn't cracked I mean, Evil Dead 2 is the one that cracks They hadn't finessed it it yet. You know what I mean? It was just kind of all vomited at once, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. (laughs)
0: Vomited, appropriate. Um, I I did like 2013's Evil Dead, I think, Sunrise, to your point. I I remember hearing the pitch from, I think it was Sam Raimi and or Bruce Campbell, I can't remember, somewhere on the internet. I heard them talking about They're like, we're going to make a movie like the one we wanted to make, but if we actually had the resources and money to do it. Yeah. And I thought the idea of that was really compelling, and I thought they delivered. I mean – It's gruesome, it's mean, it's harsh, but when you really boil the plot down, I mean, those movies are pretty, like the premise is pretty intense. Like you're talking about summoning demons from this book of the dead, like, and all these crazy, awful things, the worst imaginable things that could happen to you, happen to you. It's a pretty messed up premise. And if you're making that and adapting it to kind of a more like, uh, like, I don't know, realistic, gritty, you know, real, (laughs) air quotes, real world perspective, it's- Probably gonna be pretty intense, yeah. and then like I said, I really liked what they did with the the third act. Uh, neat little twist there. Um, yeah. instead of just so it was like they 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 gave you what you were sold, but also something else too.
2: Yeah, this is interesting. I've never heard this description that it was just basically a remake of what they have wanted to do. Yeah. So mm-hmm. really, it's mm-hmm. like they wanted to remake the original, which yeah. everybody is a little hesitant about. Yeah, after <laughs> they <laughs> see number two yeah. first. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that's why it's not as popular.
0: Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, oh, what they – that Evil <clears throat> Dead 2 is so – fun. it's funny that it's funny because the first movie, is even when you watch it, you can tell that, like, they really were trying to make a serious horror movie with what they have.
1: From an episodic standpoint, when you think of television shows, like, season one of your favorite show versus season seven of your favorite show, you know, it's still finding its footing. You know, you liked it enough to continue watching, but it didn't quite, you know, like – it wasn't its thing yet. It hadn't, it hadn't been fully realized yet. And I think as we all, we'll talk about the, the movie we're getting ready to talk about. Um, we've, we've finally kind of come to the healthy medium of all of those different things that mm-hmm. have been established throughout the franchise. I
0: well, and like. That's the challenge though. Like, you know, in the big question mark about this, this movie, when they started marketing it is, is this going to be more of a spiritual successor to two more of a successor to twenty third the 2013 film somewhere in the middle. And I think, you know, Uh, We're going to talk about that. But first, Sunrise, I I did want to ask. You mentioned the energy in the room at South by Southwest. Uh, Tell us a little bit more. What was uh, your experience watching the film at the world premiere? What was the audience vibe and energy during the screening?
2: Well, uh, I definitely um, – every year I keep a list of like what the best theatrical audiences are. And uh, this year this is so far the top of the list. It was like the greatest audience uh, this year who was just so into every moment. Everything that happened in this film – uh excitement um everything leading up to that particular moment a lot of like creaking and like breathing in and like <laughs> you know like uh inhaling greatly uh, out of anxiety
1: anticipating terrible things
2: <laughs> At, yeah, anticipating terrible things um cheering mm-hmm. and clapping and so much so, so that i like missed plot points or like uh, dialogue <laughs> that seemed important um, so yeah, rousing audience, it was really great energy in the room and I'm sure there were just, you know, uh, beyond fans that were there. Um, so, uh, that was the audience. Um, at the end, there was a Q and a between, uh, the director, the two leads, um, and then the two executive producers, uh, Campbell and Ramey. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Q and a was brief. Um, a lot of the time was really given to the director and the two actresses. I don't think that there was ever a question that was actually posed to um, Ramey or Campbell. Interesting. Just out of time, I think. Okay. They had to get everybody out of that theater and it was like the largest, you know, it was a paramount. So it was like, you know, 1500 people. They had and, to had that,
0: and you had that one jerk who booed the movie and got kicked out. Apparently. Yeah. That, yeah. The, that, eating was, up, that was, that ate up a valuable one minute. I'm serious. One minute in those Q and A's goes a long way though. Yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah. Like that, I mean, that, that was a moment where Bruce Campbell did like, can kind of stand up and like, he, you know, and it was like F you basically. And, you know, the audience <laughs> was surrounding that, you know, support of, um, of Campbell uh, basically it was just a hater saying his bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, and
0: not the appropriate place or time to do that. Um, the world premiere of the movie, you're going to boo the movie and to right. the people who made the movie right. who can see you. Right. Yeah. Destroy yeah. him. Yeah, Destroy exactly.
2: Him. Yeah. Um, some people thought it was like planned just to like, you know, confirm yeah. how much the audience was in support of the film. I don't think it was. It definitely seemed like that guy had had you know, way, way too, too much shrink. Yes. Yeah. And uh, probably shouldn't have been in that film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just like a lot of talk about family on set and that, you know, it was like a nine week shoot and maybe nine days toward the end. They got COVID. Oh, no. It's, you know, so they got to spend time and bond with each other. Um so it felt it felt like a, a healthy set, you know, mm. and, it, and they definitely That's emphasized all things considering. All things considering, <laughs> yeah, it seemed like you know they they had a good family environment on set. But um, other than that, not too much that was revelatory.
0: Other than just the fact that the audience was willing to stand up against this one particular hater. Mm-hmm. Love but, to see it when the audiences come together. Well, Sunrise, what did you think of the film Evil Dead Rise? Um, I. Um, okay. So I've seen it twice. I watched it at the
2: audience in that particular premiere and uh, it gets a premiere bump. Like it was so energetic. Every moment was working, including moments that in the second viewing uh, did not work as well for me. Okay. Um, I, I felt like I really got the things that I was wanting from um, my claims about whether or not uh, there's some story. I feel like the the bonds between the siblings was really interesting to me. Uh, the performances were really great from the two leads. Um, the young child, Cassie, I thought uh, the performance of that child was really great. Um, I thought like it was having difficulty trying to balance the tones that maybe people were wanting. There are moments that um, it does go into kind of like almost verging on humor. Um but it, I feel like it was not quite as successful as it as it could have been. Uh-huh. And then there are moments where it kind of goes into the violence. And because of maybe the melding of the visual effects and the special effects, I felt like it was not as effective. Um, I felt like the, the violence was grounded in some sort of reality that I understood. Like when something happened to someone, I really
0: felt like I felt it. Felt like a, I felt it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, the objects or what was happening to the body,
0: I like felt it felt the cheese grater rubbed on the skin. I te-
2: yeah, that was definitely a highlight. Uh, I think there was a poster at South By that was just the cheese grater at the apartment building.
1: <laughs> oh, no! know. It didn't yeah, have flesh on it, did it? It, it did like, not have flesh on it. Just little chunks uh, of skin.
2: But after the screening, they did give you like a candy bag with like, you know, like red vines or whatever. And a cheese grater in there, a small uh, uh, mini cheese grater. Amazing. Love it. Yeah, that's it was great. That was the best part of it. Um, but yeah, the cheese grater, uh, that was very effective for me. Um, I felt like the suspense kind of building toward the end and the climax was effective and, and uh, the sort of like reversal about uh, The Shining. I felt like there's like, you
0: know. Yeah, there's a lot of Shining nods in there. I yeah. Mean, well, I don't want to spoil it, but there's definitely some very clear nods yeah. to The Shining. In clear the nods. Mm-hmm. But uh, the perspective it takes in yep. contrast to The Shining was mm-hmm. really
2: interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's very enjoyable, I will say, uh, ultimately. Uh, uh there was something I felt like was always keeping my interest, the performance, uh, the form of the violence, the story, uh, the lore, um, with a little couple things that I felt like could have been refined a little bit better. But overall, I had a good time.
0: Pretty positive with some minor caveats. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Joe Light, what did you think of Evil Dead Rise?
3: With this one, I have liked it more and more. Since we saw it on Thursday. Like I just keep thinking about how fun it was. I think our audience was also. Obviously not a South by audience. But really really fun. Um, Yeah I mean it's. I think I could say it's. Pretty much everything I would want. From a horror film. Uh, I think that it, it. Without getting too much into like. The spoilers or anything. But it does I think develop the story. As much as it. Can in a limited amount of time in that first act, they establish like interest for each of the kids, so you at least know like one thing about them. I, I feel like it's very economical storytelling before it it gets to what it knows everybody wants. It want everyone wants to see like the possession, and then we get into the just the wildness of all the middle of the movie. So yeah, I, I really really liked the way it approached. The new setting also. I, I mean, there are all the little things that you have to sort of figure out as a writer. Like, there's an, there's an earthquake, so they're trapped. There's no electricity, so they can't they can't get out. All those little things you have to figure out. I felt like all of that worked pretty well as sort of ham-fisted they have to be in that scenario. Because I really like the setting. I really like that fresh, new environment for them. Um, I really liked... All the performances I thought, just to echo sunrise, like i I think the physicality of the mom mm-hmm. was great, like she did an amazing job, her terrifying name is alyssa Sutherland, I looked her up mm-hmm. um, yeah, I thought she was amazing, I just loved every time she was on screen in her like possessed form was just really, really fun mm-hmm. a plus yeah, I mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed her performance um yeah, i just i I really liked it, I thought that it. In, just to compare it to Renfield, it didn't feel like it was meddled with. I feel like they came in and they had a very clear idea what they wanted to do. They had a solid draft. They went with it, and they made a really good movie. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this film more than I thought I would, to be honest. I wasn't expecting very much.
0: All right. That's good to hear. It's it's always good when you exceed your expectations, um, unlike Renfield. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lauren Chapman, what did you think of Evil Dead Rise? Yeah, so this one corrects
1: what bugged me about the 2013 uh, version of it. There's just enough bleak humor here; that they don't overdo it. Um, they could have gone maybe a stretch further, but it's okay. I've, <laughs> I, I got, I, uh, they get, they, they heard me. The universe heard me. They get, they put it back in. I was like can you just take this part of this and put this part this? and then this, and they did all of those things. I don't think this reinvents the wheel in any type of way. I don't know if it it adv- you know, advances the franchise in this like, you know, uh, extraordinary way, but it's like they utilize the modernity of this story, you know, and like made take the things that we liked about it. We get a little little callbacks, little nods to the things we loved about the original ones. Um, but it finds a perfect, for me, a, a, a good balance of the things that I really did like about the 2013 version and then the things that I like about the franchise in general. There's there's enough of that in here. So this is the buffet, if you will, where I have everything on my plate. Probably a little too much, but, you know, <laughs> but I get a little piece of everything that I want, you know. And so I was very satisfied with it. And then I echo the two lead performances. Um, um, even the the actress that plays the sister, I think, is also very was very, very good, good as the final girl, um, and I, I really enjoy. I didn't think I would enjoy the change of scenery. I was like, mm, that <laughs> seems a little too much, like a hotel or or a apartment complex. I don't know, um, but they made really good use of that space, mm-hmm. um, you know. And you really do feel the hindrances of they can't get out of this tiny little, you know, and it could be. It could be stag- stagnant and could mm-hmm. be uninteresting, but they find a way to still make it visually interesting. We get the, little, the shaft scenes, you know, like mm-hmm. we get you get to see that there are nooks and crannies and they, they utilize that space very effectively, I thought. So um, and the gore is there. We get all the gore you want. If you <laughs> if you, if you if you're going for that, they, they they deliver on that. And I think I think the third act is pro- for me The I mean, the tail end of the second to the third act is probably the strongest element for me, of the whole movie. Um, I do think they established the characters well enough, you know, for the time that they have. That's allotted, I didn't feel like anyone was throwaway. Everyone felt like, you know, I was invested in the violence that happened to them, you know, so um, it's just enough there um, to to satisfy all of my um, horror needs, mm-hmm. so.
0: And this was only a, not, another lean 97-minute movie, yeah. so, I mean, given how little time they had. I thought they did a really good job with the characters by giving them all j- just enough vulnerability yeah. and relatability that you could connect with them enough so that I was invested in what happens, especially with the kids. You're like, Oh man, what what, what is going down? I, I thought this was great. I really do think, I mean, you, you, you nailed it. I think this, it's a good balance between the horror, uh, aspects, the really intense horror aspects that we saw in 2013, um, with enough of the, the, the silly over the top comedy. I love the dead. speak, Mm -hmm. Like that's the stuff that's just so like it's so the things that they're saying is so are so dark, but that's what kind of makes them hilarious at the same time. Just little bits like that that I felt like was missing um, really landed well with me. I also thought, you know, the one of the things I like the most about it is the the camera work here. They have some uh, two or three really inventive shots. There's a. They use a utilize you know, a peephole in a way I don't think I've ever seen it done in a horror, at least not that I can recall, or at least mm-hmm. recently. Where you're like, oh, I've never seen this, especially like in an Evil Dead movie. But I've never seen someone use a peephole like this in a yeah. in a film. There's a lot of really clever
1: the way where they put the camera. If, yeah. if, if they if max, they maximize this very kind of. Small space. Yes. Yeah, it yeah, never feels claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: More split diopter shots than I've seen in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I like those. Yeah. yeah. They're kind of old-fashioned if used incorrectly, but yeah. I like them here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, overall, I think, just a, a top-notch production. You know, I – I think these. I, I kind of. This is the first one that I feel like it was. It was heavy enough to give me the thrills of a of a horror movie, mm-hmm. but light enough that it kind of felt like a ride. So I don't yeah. know. You guys were talking about some of the the mythology and the horror iconography. When I go back and rewatch this, because I will, that's the stuff I'm more interested in. Because the first time I feel, I'm like, I feel like I just got off a roller coaster, mm-hmm. like in a good way. Sure. We are like, oh, I just rode through a fun house of horrors, and it was yeah. awful and terrifying and fun. And once I got done, I was like, yeah, let's do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, I think this is this is a great step for the, the franchise it, it, and it also feels more as mainstream accessible as you could make an Evil Dead movie. It, I think they hit the balance pretty well. Yeah. So overall, we think this is kind of like a hybrid between the old and the new um, Sunrise. You kind of mentioned having some modest reservations about maybe some of the tonal consistencies. Uh, you know, do, do you think can, do you see them being able to move forward with this uh, in a positive way?
2: Oh, yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah. Uh, If they're going to keep going, it feels like there's a way that they're trying to find a balance what you're talking about. Like the the speak is something where the humor, I think, is the strongest in this film. There are moments where it's like in the peephole for some reason, Um, the stuff that goes on in the hallway, I thought, was like the weakest when it came to the tone. It felt like they were still trying to figure out how to Mm. manage Mm. Um, how some of the violence might be humorous, or how the interactions between humans and through this the-, the tiny lens, yeah, you know, there was something know. that wasn't quite i wasn't quite sure about the humor of it um there, but uh yeah, it felt like it was um a good direction, like the fact that everybody was hesitant, i think about this new location mm-hmm. and it expanding, i think it was working um yeah, yeah. but the I feel like the attitude. And the personalities of the demons, the mm-hmm. deadites. I feel like they are uh, probably that's going. It feels like it's going in a new direction. It feels like it. Yeah, yeah. Could expand into something more. And I feel like if they were going to do something, I feel like that. I'm anticipating that's where it's going to go. We're going to learn a little bit more about those it's personalities.
1: More subtle, because like I think in the old ones, you it's so hammy. Like mm-hmm. they're they're it's theatrical, you know, mm-hmm. almost. But here it's like they just deliver a chilling line very deadpan, and it's like, oh, that's... It eat nervous laughter from it. Because <laughs> so what they said is culture. so ridiculous, but it's also like, you know, it's also very disturbing. You know, like, so I liked that approach to it. I think it works um, a lot more. Um, and it makes sense, I think, as we're... As this franchise does become more modern, you know, and we're trying to, like, you know, satisfy... The people that like this franchise, but then also, you know, there's people who just like horror movies are just going to attend this because it's the new thing. And and, and making sure that it, we're finding we're, we're appealing to both sides of this, uh, both demographics, if that makes sense. So.
0: When I do think if if they are going to make more of these, which and we'll see. I mean, it took them 10 years to make this one. But, you know, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell have indicated that they plan to make more more frequently you know, every couple of years you know if they do more I do think giving the deadites more distinct personality and mo- and cl- uh, I don't want that, I don't want the motives to be too clear but clearer motives I think mm-hmm. could help them draw a through line in these movies whereas otherwise it's just sort of who found the book this time where and when mm-hmm. you know um so I, there's there's a lot of potential there uh joe i mean what do you think uh do you want to see more evil dead in different locations, you want to be back in an apartment. What are your thoughts on the future <laughs> of the franchise?
3: No, yeah, I think I think they're on the right track. I just I, I think I agree with what everyone has said already. I I liked that there were some fresh elements: the location, the actors, uh, the way they treated uh, the deadites, the way they uh, introduced the the reading. I thought was. Again it can be a little contrived But I was okay with it Like Still I, creepy Yeah it was still creepy yeah. Um yeah. So Great sound
1: design mm-hmm. Oh yeah sound design This is great Oh yeah the movie, awesome yeah. Um,
3: So yeah I think there's plenty Of room to play I think that they can Do a lot here And I would I would watch it I mean I'm one of those little ones That alone said I'm gonna show up Regardless right. <laughs>
0: Well my thought is If this is the fourth one They've done That it's using that Specific formula Because I'm removing Army of Darkness Which is not Adhered to, to the you know, Yeah, yeah it's its own thing um, I'm like well, at this point we could just say evil dead's its own sh- subgenre which is hey you know the the, the plot home, or the the formula is there hey these people find this book they for one reason or another read from the book it summons deadites things go crazy and your protagonists have to figure out how to get out of it if they if they can't get out they of it can, yeah. right and I'm I'm like well just take that and I don't know maybe this is the lazy way out there's probably better ways to do it but like you LeBron, you and I were talking about this in relations to Mafia Mama, which you did not like, but also you're like, oh, but I I believe that there could be like, there's a space for formulaic. This could have been a good movie. Yeah, this
1: premise could work. A
0: formulaic isn't equal
1: bad. I guess is my yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, if
0: if it's if it's done well and yeah. and if if the the filmmakers can really innovate within that sandbox. Yeah. Of that Our formula. good friend
1: Brock Lee, they need say something like, it's not about reinventing the wheel. Just sometimes you can just. Like, what is it? Change the rims on it or something. Yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. Just update it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, give your car an oil change. You know, like, run better. You so, know? Like, some, so. like, give me Evil Dead on a cruise. Give me Evil that Dead
0: uh, in a mountain. Like, just start getting yeah. inventive with it. Uh, yeah. We were making a joke. Put uh, Evil Dead in an office building, mm-hmm. you know. There's a lot of, I mean, I just think that's on the premise plane. you could apply on a plane. There's yeah. Some, yeah, there's something. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and I think also one thing that annoyed me about Renfield, not to go, like, too far back, but, like, that final fight. You know, the beats that are happening, mm-hmm. you know, like the cutting. we're going to show this over here and then we're going to go over here and see this and then this is going to change. Um, <laughs> I was very tired by that point in that movie, but with Evil Dead, I was like, I don't know who's getting out. I don't know how uh-huh. they're going to get out. I don't know what we're going to see visually before the end of this film. Like I would much rather go in a situation like that, regardless yeah. of whether the beats are a little bit familiar.
2: The, yeah. There's great visual suspense with like the, what happens in the end. Mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like it's alluded to in the book, but you're, you're still like, how is this going to play out based mm-hmm. on what I'm seeing,
1: you know? And their stakes. Like, I mean, they actually, mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. afraid to mm-hmm. brutalize children in this. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, well, the kids are going to be fine.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Well, when well. half of the cast is the kids, you're like, uh, how's this going to go down? That was another thing. I yeah, yeah I'm
1: glad you brought that up. There's only three characters in this movie. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it, unless they're going to start hacking off children, I don't see how anyone's well, going to.
0: And I think that's what makes this even more like 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 more and it scarier and more intense because in all the other Evil Dead movies, it's like all these schmucks who should have known better, read the book anyway. Mm-hmm. This is like this. The teenager just discovers the book and does what teenagers do, which is I'm just gonna see what yeah. happens. Yeah. You it's know? boring. It's,
1: yeah, and, it's, and yeah, it's a dumb decision, but it's a kid, so you're so like, you we're not more, like, you know? we're not like hitting the kid over the head, like, yeah, yeah, kill that kid, he's stupid. You know, like it's like we understand, like there's a curiosity there, and you're like, oh no, they have no idea what mm. they're about to awaken. You know, so um, yeah, yeah, mm. well, they worked. worked that way.
0: I, I had a fun time with it. I, I would take what well, we said this about the D&D movie. I'm like, I'll take like five more of these. Just, yeah. just I mean, just, you know, make sure you're put in the work to be experimental and fun
1: where you can. But like, I think it's. And I hope we get f- more of the D&D and less of the Mario. But Mario made so much fucking money this I year. I'm pretty uh, sure we're going to get more Mario's Mario's not
0: going Mario. going away. Uh, Mario's, uh, yeah, I hate to. Number one at the box office three. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. made a, a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Unfortunately, Unfor- uh, like, unfortunately, it's a monkey's paw situation. Yeah. Yeah. The kids like it, and I guess they're it people, was, too. I know. It's No, it's because- <laughs> They it's need a, a cinema, too. That's I true. I know, no, I'm space. all for kids' movies. It's that it's an Illumination Studios movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway. Uh, different podcast. Go check it out. Last episode. <laughs> uh, let's get to letter grades on Evil Dead Rise. Uh, Joe Light, I'll start with you. What Ooh, letter why grade? why are you
3: starting with me? I, hmm.
0: I guess I started with you last time. Yeah, no,
3: I'll give it an A. I yeah. mean Yeah, I think I would give it an A. I especially for horror people. If you like horror, if you are okay with gore, go see it. Yeah, I'll give it an A. I think it's it, it's everything that you would want from a horror movie with some like pretty solid writing, new visuals, good production design. Yeah, I'll give it an A.
1: All right, going for an A, Leroy Chapman. What letter grade would you give Evil Dead Rise? I, th- I think this is a really good example of what it is without without being like it, it you know, its own thing. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it's just a really good genre exercise. So uh, for me, I wouldn't it wouldn't call it a classic or anything like that, or it's changed horror cinema for you know the better or whatever. But I just think it's a Good example of what we like about these kinds of movies. So for me, I'm going to say a B plus, a solid B plus, is where I stand with this, and it, but with a lot of replayability on it. Mm. Sunrise.
2: Yeah, I think I initially put a B minus, uh, but I, I feel like I'm being convinced to go more toward a B, uh, just because it seems like the people who are more fans of Evil Dead are like really liking this. I had a hesitation about whether or not I could like suggest this to fans of my friends that are evil dead fans just because I felt like the humor was not as stronger in this one, which mm-hmm. is what I was expecting maybe from you is that you wanted more, but it seems like it was working for you. you worked know. enough. Yeah. Worked, worked enough. enough. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like this, maybe like Dungeons and Dragons that you guys mentioned is that it's like good for an audience. That's both like fans of the series and then fans that are uh, vaguely familiar mm-hmm. or are being introduced. I feel like this is a good introduction film. Um, and, uh, I thought what was really interesting about it was just the symboling um, drama. And I feel like that grounds it in a way for people who are not interested in the violence. I think the, the violence is creative and the horror is very interesting in this film. So um, I feel like if you're fans of that, I feel like it's going to be a good film. And then it sounds like if you're an evil dead fan, it's going to work. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm also going to give this a B plus I, I, with the kind of the caveat being uh, I might give it an A after I watch it the second time. Cause I do think this is 97 minutes. It's lean. It's got dramatic stakes. People I can really invest in. There's enough there that I know I missed from a my mythology perspective. Like I, I really want to go back to the mm. scene where you like learn about the book. And, Cause I'm like, I know I was, I missed something and I really want to go back and catch it. Uh, so this could go all the way up to an A for me just because I laughed. I was scared, nervous laughter, legitimate laughter, uh, you know, a little bit of bias. We did see it with some friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We had a friend group who, who we, we called hashtag No Significant
1: Others because all of our
0: partners were so like, well,
1: "Nope, nope,
2: <laughs>
0: not and going so to that." that just They're naturally,
1: <laughs> literally, everyone said our partners were not about it. And so I was like, "Well, then we can all go, <laughs> see, well, it so go see it without them." See it without them. And uh, so that uh, there's that
0: experience bump of, "Hey, we saw this in a theater with friends," and then the other people who were in the theater also, you know. We, we saw it at the earliest show you could see it on a Thursday. So it was like Thursday at 7 o'clock. So everyone who's watching it really, really is invested, invested in going to see it. Yeah, So it yeah. just made for a great time at the movies. Uh, B-plus, I really, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do next with the franchise. Uh, I hope it's a lot of fun. Uh, lastly, what other media would we recommend alongside Evil Dead
1: Rise? Le'Ron, I'll start with you. What came to mind um, that I really liked of – was kind of a reimagining of the same kind of material was uh, the, the most recent Hellraiser mm. um, because oh, yeah. there was another one where you take something that's beloved and you, it you add a lot of modern sensibilities to it. You change the setting a little bit. There's, you know, and, but it also kind of plays with the lore a little bit more, you know? And I, I thought that I, I was a big fan of the most recent one. A lot of people were hesitant because it didn't have, Um, main, main, you know, they changed the gender of the, of the main character. And I thought, I didn't think I'd like that. And then I was into it. I thought, I thought they were very creepy in that role. So, um, this worked for me in the same way that this, that, that evil dead worked for me, um, when pairing it with what came before, you know, where it has enough of the old with a path forward you know, um mm. so um in a new direction to explore new things. So
0: Hellraiser now streaming out on a Hulu. Mm. On the Hulu Sunrise. That's a really great one.
1: Yeah. It is a great yeah.
0: recommendation. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah, that is a great yeah. That's a great version of it.
2: hmm When mm-hmm. And, and then a series where it seems like they're really struggling figuring out how to make that, how how that make that
0: work yeah. again. Trim the fat
1: and yeah. just go right here now. Just go this yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think there was a, it was good just good and I haven't seen all the Hellraiser movies. I've seen like what, five of them? I don't know how many there are. That's enough. I yeah, think I've good. seen around five. Yeah, as long as you've <laughs> seen the first, if you've yeah. seen, I've definitely seen the first three. But it's just one of those where I, I feel like it, it's nice that they 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 were able to step back and reevaluate what would the series look like if we put it out today in a meaningful way, and what would the themes and ideas look like in you know twenty twenty two, twenty
1: twenty three. I kind of co- equate Hellraiser to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise a little bit. Like the first, the first one's iconic, and then. As you get a little deeper into it, it's like not all of these are good. In fact, most of them aren't, but all of them are interesting. Mm. And I say the same thing about Nightmare on Elm Street. Some of them are not good, but there's some cool ideas in some of those sequels. So Yeah, -hmm.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to describe them. There's always sort of this experiment because you've already Mm -hmm. got like like a genre. You've already got this sort of like template of things that could happen, and then you're going to explore where to go.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I don't know yep. if it's good, and I haven't watched it in at least 10 years, but I really liked The Dream Child growing up when uh, yeah. I number five. Yeah, sure. Just a lot of interesting, interesting. visual choices. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know if it's... I don't, haven't watched it in a while. It's probably not good, but it is interesting. I think interesting.
1: I like The Dream Warriors one. That dream Warriors. That's...
0: It, I think that one's actually... That one actually is probably good. Yeah. I think.
1: Yeah. Now, New Nightmare is definitively good. And yeah. it's so I, great. It's yeah, a proto one. scream. Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. We are getting off track, though. Yes, we are. Uh, <laughs> so let's bring it back. See all these movies, <laughs> See guys. all the movies. Uh, Sunrise, what would you recommend alongside Evil Dead Rise? Yeah, that's an interesting one. It's difficult
2: because I uh, my examples were if, uh, if people were not liking the direction the film was going. So I was going to suggest like this. Uh, if you wanted more of the tonality of the original, like Evil Dead 2, I was going to suggest this film called Spiritual Kung Fu with Jackie Chan. It's um, really great. Sort of like um, a demons and kookiness Um, and it sort of feels from that time period but there's just uh, the reimagining of a franchise and this sort of like successful entertainment and really great performances interesting story that is not related necessarily to like ghouls and lore Uh, I would say uh, Mad Max Fury Road is uh, very similar and it's like execution style it's intensity and the enjoyment. Um, it's not really along the lines that you would think, but that's what I would suggest, maybe. So, what is another well it called again? The original, uh, the original suggestion Spiritual Kung Fu All right. by um, Lo Wei. It's got Jackie Chan in it. It's really kooky and
0: fun. Okay. Yeah. You must see. Yeah. Um, again, Mad Max is an interesting comparison because that's another movie where. Like it feels kind of like a ride, mm-hmm. but you could. It's, that's part of what makes it super easy to rewatch. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why I'm eager to go back to this because Mad Max, Light, like, I assume Evil Dead Rise, there's like a lot of different ways to read it, a lot of mm-hmm. little pieces to pick up mm-hmm. on. Yeah, I think, I think there's different perspectives to enter the film
2: through. Like, if you're thinking, I want to, how does this character uh, play out? And what is their
0: perspective? I feel like it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Great recommendations. Joe Light, what would you suggest?
3: I'm going to go a little more on the nose and say Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, it's a fun one. Uh, just a really fun exploration of that entire genre and how silly the situations can be and how uh, unaware the characters can be. It's just a really fun sort of satirical look at that whole world, I think. I love that movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Try to rewatch that one at least once every couple of years, if not every year. Yeah. yeah it's a it's also time. a place with its setting a little bit, too. Yeah. We're in the woods, but there's also something else happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, also say Sam Raimi's uh, Drag Me to Hell. Drag Me to Hell. a oh, yeah. so fun, incredible. lean 90 minute. Sam Raimi. Yeah. That was actually
0: my recommendation. I was going to recommend uh, both Dark Man and Hell oh, yeah. on the Sam Raimi yeah. side. Just if you're into more Sam Raimi films, I mean, o- the obvious ones are if you haven't seen the other Evil Deads, go watch those. But I really think. Drag me to hell feel, feels like Sam Raimi as the director, perfect, kind of perfecting that. I want another one of those.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Please give me drag another me one to of Hell those. Also, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'll also throw <laughs> drag, drag me back to hell. Drag me back to now. hell.
0: Justin Lin, round two. Uh, mm-hmm. The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I think it's a great film. If you're looking, if you want something that really is leaning a lot more into the actual drama, uh, mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. think it's a un- very underrated uh, Scott Derrickson film. Also, a video game, The Evil Within. Uh, it's a, if you've played mm. the original resident evil four, it's from the same game, uh, developers named Shinji Mikami. He had actually, he actually, uh, made the original resident evil and then came back with resident evil four and then moved on to a different studio, made some other games, but he came back and did another riff on like the survival horror genre with the evil within, which is very trippy and surreal. And you're constantly, you're not sure what's. What is actually happening? Are there hallucinations? Are there demonic? F- You're constantly on your toes. But the reason I mention it is because some of the, the creature design in this movie reminded me a lot of some of the creature designs from those games. Uh, oh, specifically, just- there's two games, Evil Dead 1 and 2, specifically the first game. Uh, but right. if you like Resident Evil 4, it's a very popular game. Uh, you will probably like the Evil Within. It's a good, great game. All right. Well, those are our spoiler-free reviews of Evil Dead Rise. It's time to make the case. You decide to read from the Necronomicon, and you only have time to watch one of these two movies that we just reviewed. Which one of these films do you watch? Do you watch the Deadite movie or the Vampire movie? It's your last film, apparently. Sunrise, the (laughs) the Um, (laughs) If it's just me and I have enough time to watch
2: the film, it would probably be Evil Dead Rise. If I have to put something on that's going to distract the Deadites –
1: (laughs)
0: it would be Renfield there you go maybe they'll fall in love with the humor maybe the deadites will get it we just missed that Joe Light
3: Uh, yeah it's gonna be Evil Dead Rise Uh, yeah Uh, it's more fun it's better directed it's better everything just watch that one instead it's
0: better everything (laughs) watch it twice yeah (laughs) LaRon Chapman are you gonna argue with that not at all
1: evil dead rise through and through no competition.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No contest. Yeah. Not much. I mean, we've said it all in the review. Uh, evil dead rise is just a much better film, more rewarding experience and, uh, more fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, I want to close up by letting our listeners know where they can keep up with you and, uh, all your work online. Any, just really quickly, do we have any final thoughts you guys want to chime in with before we wrap up today's show on either of the films? All right, Joe Light. Where can people follow you and your work online?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Joe underscore Lightly, and my Letterbox is jojobinks Binks One.
0: Nice Sunrise it's Kipikani, Where can people find you online?
2: <laughs> um, you can probably find me on Instagram, which is very minimal in its activity, or on Letterboxd. It's uh, just Sunrise, I think, on Letterboxd.
0: Mm-hmm. Out of uh,
2: curiosity, uh,
0: Dead Center, not too far off. Let's head uh, around the corner. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You could, you know, come to Dead Center. I'll be presenting work there. You can see some of the programming. That'll be from June uh, 9th to the 11th. Of course, Laurent will also be
1: there. I will also be there working as well, presenting films, moderating films, and celebrating independent, local, and broad cinema. So we're excited about that.
0: You guys are both awesome. So glad you're part of the team. Uh, Always look forward to both of your introductions to films. Uh, It really does enrich a lot of the experience. So thank you all for the work you're doing over there. And thank you for your time today. Laron, where can people follow you
1: online? You can follow me on Facebook under my name, Laron Chapman, and or if they want to follow my uh, Letterbox reviews, you can follow me at black underscore cinna underscore man.
0: Awesome, of course, listeners. You can keep up with me uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, all at C Masters Talk. That's Letter C Masters Talk. Uh, Letterbox. I've been uh, pretty diligent about getting reviews up for each week. Uh, every movie I see, uh, Twitter. Mostly the reviews plus random succession GIFs and memes these days. Uh, And then um, Instagram is just mostly fun photos. Like the photo (laughs) we took uh, for this podcast. Uh, And of course, if you want to learn more about the thoughtful conversations nothing we're having, we have an essay going up this week. It should be live by the time you listen to it um, from Daniel Bo Kemper about the movie Bo is Afraid. A lot to unpack in that movie, so much so that we also have a podcast coming out next week. So thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. We'll catch you again next time when we return into that uh, with that deep dive into the psyche of a truly anxious man. Mm-hmm. No, we're not talking about Tom Cruise. We're talking about our <laughs> review of *Boys Afraid*. Spiritually, We might be talking about. It. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Until next time.